Just open your Bibles to 1 Peter, and we're going to finish this chapter tonight. We're really rolling right along. Uh, we're going to finish chapter 1 of 1 Peter. And so let's just read uh, the last few verses, picking up in verse 22. We've had some wonderful lessons um, already in this, and so much of it I understand, especially in this first chapter, correlated with a lot of what was taught from James in the ladies' Bible study. So that's just proof the Lord is speaking this word to our heart. Amen? 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Okay, so we're going to go back and talk about this passage tonight. But let's look at this. We're going to talk about... Um, Loving, I guess the main focus of, in this passage that we're going, going to spend time on is the love of, of, that God's called us to love with. In verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. We're going to actually come back to that later. Through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Okay, fervently. The Bible says in, in uh, 1 John 4, he that loveth not his brother whom he had seen how can he love God whom he had I mean who he has seen how can he love God in whom he hath not seen it's a pretty simple question it's something that causes us to think think about we don't love our brothers he said that we see how can we love God whom we have not seen it's a calling of the Lord for us to love others we're told to love our, the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The Bible tells us we're even to love our enemies and to bless those that do evil to us and persecute us. But then there's a real commandment that's uh, very clear in the Scriptures as well, specifically about loving our Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is something special there. Yes, we're to love our enemies, but our relationship with our enemy is not going to be the same as it would be with our Christian brothers and sisters. Jesus gave a new commandment in John 13. He says, uh, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He said, By this will all men know that you are my disciples. So it has to do with our witness as well. It has to do with our testimony. It's, has, it's not just to, uh, this is a nice thought. It's a commandment from the Lord. A new commandment I give you. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Loving one another as Christ loved. That's the key, right? That's the key is to love as Christ loved. The world talks about love, but it's not this kind of love. The world has uh, different ideas of what love is. Uh, what, they, what the world might express what they call as love as being tolerance or an acceptance. Accepting of any type of morality or lifestyle and think they love a person because they don't confront them about it or talk to them about it. And but Christian love is is something entirely different. We're going to look at it tonight. It's not an easy thing. It be is an impossible thing without the Lord. 
I'll say first of all, nobody loves this way but God and those that are born of His Spirit. There are deep expressions of love in the world among lost people, but not this kind of love that we're going to talk about, okay? There are people that, uh, that die for their country and their love for, for country and family and homeland, and that's, it's, it's, it's genuine, okay? It's genuine, it's real, but it's still not this kind of love. The type of love that we're talking about and in, in this passage that Peter's writing about, is it originates with the Lord. It only comes from God. A person that doesn't know Jesus, no matter how sacrificial they may be in their lives and giving, it's not this kind of love. Because too often, I think that what, what's called love in, in the world's eyes, and it can spill over into the church as well, is something that's more along the lines of being sentimentality. In other words, just a little, a warm, fuzzy feeling. And I'll use that phrase a lot because that's the way I, I try to, to describe it. That it's more what the world calls love can be more, nothing more than sentimental. It's a feeling and a fond feeling. But does, does that really fulfill the New Testament commandment to love, the Lord, to love each other as Christ loves? That does not. And so we need to see that uh, there's, there can be in our love, in all of our love, there can be a very kind of refined and subtle selfishness in our love. I'm guilty of it. Or let's put it this way. I'm sure that I have been, been guilty of it. I'm positive I have in my life been guilty of it. We have to guard against that. The love that we have for one another sitting in this room, and I do love you, okay? And I know we love each other. And I thank the Lord for that. But we have to guard against self coming into that and disguising itself as love. Because there can often be a selfishness in our big smile in the way we treat each other. And it's actually we're, we just want to be in a good standing with people. You know what I mean? We want to be on people's good side. We want to be liked. And so, really, there can be a selfishness in being polite to people, being courteous to people, asking how they're doing. And we're really, the bottom of it all could be a touch of selfishness that, I'm not trying to give us brain cramps here that we overthink it. I'm simply saying that we have to guard against that, okay? We have to guard against that. And the way we guard against that is staying on our faces before the Lord regularly. Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart, right? Try me and know my thoughts. You have to try me because I don't, I can't even tell myself. I think this is genuine love. I think this is genuine faith. I think this is genuine, you know, love for the brothers. Uh, but what, what is it that's actually there? It has to originate with the Lord. Only the Lord, God is love. Now, that's not a definition of God. That, that very much though speaks of a character or attribute or nature of God. And so all those that are born of God can love like the Lord loves. Because God, the same God that is love, now indwells our hearts. It is actually the Lord loving through us. That's really what it is. And you don't have to cut it with a knife and try to see is this, you know, is this the Lord loving through me? I think if we walk closely with the Lord and keep our eyes on the Lord, He's going to change our heart to where the love that we love with 
is going to be the love of the Lord. Okay? But I'm simply saying we just have to, to watch it. And so the, how, how does that love express itself in, in real life? All right? It's easy for us to, to, to uh, sing songs about how much we love the Lord. And you might have heard this little, it's kind of a corny little phrase. It's something like, um, to dwell with the Lord in heaven will be such glory. To dwell with saints below, that's another story. Um, something like that I heard years ago. It's, it's easy to talk about our love for God in songs and poetry and even to one another. How does that express itself, though? God wants to measure it by how we love one another. How can we love God who we have not seen if we don't love our brothers who we do see? Well, what does this love look like? And it's not simply the sentimental, warm, fuzzy, fond feelings. The world has that. Anybody has that. To me, the, the love that I see in Scripture, the love of God, is we always say unconditional. Well, I agree with that. But the love of God expressed through us to others is going to be, I believe, a sacrificial type of love. It's going to involve... Uh, sacrifice on my part. It's going to involve, not that it's miserable, okay, but that there's a self-denial, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a death to the self. And, uh, you know, basically when we were lost and didn't know the Lord, whether we were just a good old boy or a good old girl kind of person or really into some, uh, you know, idolatry or something really weird. This lost man is in this camp over here apart from the Lord. And the world, our world revolved around us. We were like in our minds, okay? That's the pride of life that's talked about in First John to me, where, where everything revolves around me. I'm like the master of my own domain. Even if I think I'm weak and pitiful and jealous of others and wish I had what they have still, it's all about me, pleasing me. What can I get? What can I attain? How can I, uh, how can I navigate through life in a way that is, puts me in a, the best position, makes me happy, whatever it is. But when we're saved, then all of a sudden there's another master of our universe, of our world, of our life, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Well, if He's going to be our Lord, then we need to fall in, into being a servant of the Lord, a friend of the Lord, a child of God. You understand what I'm saying? And the world does not revolve around us. God does not exist to please me. He does please me very much, and He has great joy. It's just Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom, it says. It's just the joy of the Lord because He's a benevolent God in giving. Okay, But He does not exist to to supply my every whim that I want. I live unto God. He that, you know, we were saved, we're to live unto Him who died for us and rose again, the Bible says. And so this is the type of love we're going to have, that the Lord desires and can produce in the life of a believer for the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a, it's a sacrificial love. It does not revolve around me. This type of love is not concerned with what I get back. Because in a lot of love, even in Christian love, we can, uh, we can disguise it. And in the center of it all, we want something back. 
whether it's popularity or, you know what I mean, to be spoken well of, even by others within the body. Uh, but that has no place in this. It's a real, if we really love, then we really love. And the Lord loves, and our love is not conditional on what we get back. But that's really the whole Christian life, right? Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Well, crucifixion is death, plain and simply, right? I'm crucified with Christ. And so I'm dead. The life that I now live, it's only Christ living it through me. Well, the Lord's not selfish. And the Lord is love. If He's really living through me, He's going to be loving through me. And things don't revolve around my life anymore. You know, we could take the same philosophy of the world about me being the center of my little world and bring it right into the church and put a bunch of Christian trappings and little wrap it in a Christian package and still be the same in a lot of sense. You know, if we're really born again, we won't be the same. But you understand what I mean. We could still come into the church and we want it to revolve around us. We want people coming to us and stroking us basically and patting us and we want to be the center of things a lot of times. A lot of times. But real, the real love of the Lord is just gives. And if I'm just giving in love, the Lord's going to take care of me. You know, to me, it's a, almost a question of faith because we think if I give, 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 who's going to take care of me? If I don't, if I don't promote myself and get a little recognition here, then I'm just going to go through life unnoticed. Who's going to take care of me? Well, God's going to take care of you. And He's going to take care of me. We can't outgive God even when it comes... We talk about that with finances. We can't outgive God when it comes to love. Because He's loving people through us and you're pouring out. And it's not easy. And we pour out and we pour out. And then we go back to the Lord. And we might have poured out a lot and not gotten a lot back. Okay? Guess what? That's life. We go to the Lord. We call upon the Lord and He touches us and He satisfies us and He fills us with His Spirit. He'll send us that kind word and that friend and whatever it is we need. He'll make sure that we have that. We just have to keep pouring out as God would have us to. How does it look day to day? It's pouring out yourself in what seems like the most menial, little, trivial things. Being kind. It's men, it's helping your wife fold the clothes, okay? It really is. It's just helping with the most simple little things a lot of times where we just love and we don't say, look, honey, I folded all the clothes for you. You know? It's just, it's just we just do it. We just give. And I think the real love of the Lord is huge, but it's expressed through a lot of times just those simple everyday things where there's not a lot of gratitude and a lot of fanfare that comes back with it, right? And uh, it comes in return. But God sees you. It's just like a prayer life. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's where the faith comes in. I need to really believe that. God, if this all this stuff is real, then I'm going to pour out and be used as You would have me to to love people and I'm going to give of myself. And I'm going to trust that You in return are going to take care of me. I won't lack anything. I won't be so spent up that I shrivel up in a ball and die in the corner. I'm going to be given and given and given and I'm going to, that's where we have to spend time in prayer to be filled, to be filled, to be filled, renewed, refreshed. I promise you and God's going to send that person or those people or those friends or that recognition. Most of it's coming in heaven. Okay? But He's going to send it 
as he knows is needed out of his kindness and goodness. It doesn't go unnoticed. And what's the scripture? I'm just thinking about Hebrews 6, I believe, that the Lord is not unrighteous to forget basically the service that you've given in his name to the saints. I'm paraphrasing it because I don't know it exactly. He's not unrighteous to forget the service in that you've ministered and do minister to the saints. So we have to trust that. That's the kind of love, though, we're talking about. And it's only by the Lord basically descending into our hearts, okay, and empowering us and enabling us to love that way. And guess what? It's all for Jesus' sake. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. And so with that type of love and that type of service, uh, taking care of a parent, taking care of a child, uh, things that go unnoticed, things, things that might go unthanked, uh, that it's all for the glory of God. It comes from the Lord. And, and just picture it. It comes from God. This love has its origin with the Lord. It has to come from God. Nowhere else. It comes into the heart of a believer. Someone that's born of that same Spirit. And then God loves others through us. Let's say others in the body. And then it returns back to the Lord as a praise. It comes from the Lord. It's poured out through our lives. And it returns back and to the, to the, for the testimony of Christ, for the honor of the Lord. It pleases God. It's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice with which He's well-pleased. Those little acts of kindness every day, y'all. I'm preaching to myself, okay? I promise you. But uh, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. There's nine that are mentioned. Love is the first one mentioned. Love is above all things. The greatest of these is love. It's not the only thing, but it is the, the branch, I guess you say, by which all the other fruit hangs off of. Okay? And so, uh, God, by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the love of God is shed abroad, like multiplied in our hearts. That's where it's the love of God. It's shed abroad in the heart of the believer. You might have someone that was most... I remember hearing uh, Smith Wigglesworth, just a little bit of his testimony. I'm sure you all know of him and maybe read some of his devotionals and books. His wife was a Christian and a believer, and he was not. He was a plumber. Uneducated, blue-collar, rough and gruff, drank a lot. Um, Every time she'd bring him food, he would complain, push it to the side, say what a horrible cook she was, how horrible the food was. All of these things, okay? He gets saved. Truly born again. And he became the most kind person, always complimenting his wife. It wasn't a show. It was a real change of the Lord, of God in his heart and his life. The love of God was shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Ghost. And so it's a real thing. It's a wonderful thing. And so it's unfeigned love. If you're looking back at the Scripture, I know we're probably spend most of our time on this verse, but see, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, verse 22, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Two things here. Unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This is a little bit more detail about our love. It, it must be unfeigned. Okay, unfeigned. Turn with me if you would in your Bibles. Keep, keep your spot there in First Peter. And let's look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6.3 Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Verse 6 By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, 
by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. That is spoken of a few times in the Bible. Unfeigned love and faith unfeigned. It simply means that it's not fake. It's not hypocritical. It's a real deal. Somebody can pretend to be a Christian and they're not. Somebody can pretend to love you and they don't. Uh, I can do it as well. And we might be able to pull it off to a large extent. But what good has it done? It's not the real love of God. The Lord knows. He's not pleased by it. What He wants among His people is a pure, sincere love that really is sacrificial. Think about this. I don't know how many people we got in this room, but if everybody in this church, we loved everybody else in this church, or let's say the body of Christ that God brings into our life, not even part of this church, okay? But part of His church. If we would love everyone that way, do you think we would lack anything? I'm pouring out to y'all. Think about how many people are loving me back the same way. You understand what I'm saying? We're not going to lack anything. Don't worry about that. And even if we did, God would make it up. He would take care of us, like I said. Let, let our love be unfeigned, though, in the sense of it, uh, you know, too often we can appear to be something, but really we have an ulterior motive. It's not the genuine thoughts of God for another person and act. It's, if I do this for them, then you know, I can expect something in return when I need a helping hand and so, so forth. And so um, our smiles can be fake because we really want something back out of it. And it says that with a pure heart, I'm back in First Peter, with a pure heart and fervently, okay, and God wants us to have a pure heart that's simply being holy like His heart. No ulterior motives. And fervently. And we talk about fervent uh, prayers in James, right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fervency has to do with almost like a temperature, like a heat. Something that's heated up. Okay, so it says the effectual fervent prayers, for example. It's talking about effectual by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's wrought of God. It's wrought by the Spirit of God. Our prayer life. That's what I'm talking about there in James. And it's, it's to the point of boiling and bubbling over. So now we're talking about fervent love. It has to do, again, this has to come from the Lord. It's not me working it up in the corner and thinking all these kind thoughts till I shed a tear over you or something like that. It's, it's a real work of the Lord in my heart, in my life that gives me a love and compassion. And so it needs to be pure, unfeigned, and then fervent. It means basically bubbling over, okay? Bubbling over with a heat, like a fervent heat. And I cannot muster that up through any type of man means, human means. It has to come from the Lord. But everything good comes from the Lord, right? Everything supernatural and spiritual and wonderful and Certainly the love of God comes from God. I have to be a man of prayer to love this way. I'm consistent in my prayer life with the Lord. And so that's the love that we're called to love with. Amen? And it, and, uh, it comes from, now we're going to move on just a little bit, it comes from obeying the truth. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth. This is very important, y'all. This type of love does not come, as I said at the beginning, from any other source. It doesn't come... Uh, 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, right? If I gave all of my money, everything that I had, every penny, I sold this house, everything we had, and we gave it to the poor, 
that in itself is not the love of God. That's me giving everything away because in my mind, I saw some benefit to it or maybe I wanted to be recognized on the news or whatever. It has to come from the Lord. It comes from obeying the truth. Our souls are purified in obeying the truth and coming to Christ and letting Him change our lives. And then this love is not, we're not just begging for it, He's working it in our lives. It is a fruit of the Spirit. That's the exact type of love He's talking about. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And so um, it comes from obeying the truth. And so we think, well, maybe, maybe if I just hung out with people more and did some more barbecues and fellowships, I would love people more. No, actually, that love is going to come from God as I spend more time with God. Now that almost sounds reversed, right? It's not that we don't need to spend time with each other or want to spend time with each other. But I, we can hang out with people all day and not love them, right? Maybe people you work with or whatever. And so just that by itself is not the key. It has to be more to that. And you might think, if I want to love them more, I just need to spend a whole lot more time with them. What we need to do is spend a lot more time with the Lord and say, God, I don't love nearly like You do. I don't love nearly like I'm supposed to and like You called me to. Would You help me? Would You strengthen me? And He'll, re- he'll send us the Scriptures and passages and we'll pray and we'll be filled with the Spirit and the love of God's going to be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. He'll give us tests and applications in real life to go express that love and for Him to love through us. And it's a wonderful thing. But it comes through obeying the truth. And so we got to know the truth and we have to walk in the truth. Uh, Christians will not necessarily, I'm reading a, a quote here, Christians will not necessarily produce the burning heart unless they're also between them the truth of God. So, you know, Jenny loves the Lord with all of her heart and Sherry loves the Lord with all of her heart, her heart and there's going to be a love between them just naturally. That's one of the things to me is amazing about the body of Christ, and I've always thought that. And we see it right here. The oldest person to the youngest little kid running around between our legs, right? And we just loving each other. And a lot of ways we might not have very much in common. I don't have a whole lot in common with a one-year-old, okay? But I love little Isaac. We love each other because the love of the Lord does that. And, and people that we don't see all week except maybe here. God gives us a real love and compassion. It's because we both love the Lord. We love the truth and we obey the truth and we walk in the truth. And and that's where God does that. And remember what those uh, two disciples of Jesus said on resurrection morning on the Emmaus Road, right? They were walking with the Lord. They didn't know it was the Lord. When He opens their eyes at the end of the day, they said, did not our hearts burn within us while we walked by the way as He expounded the Scriptures to us? What was happening there? The Lord Jesus was speaking the truth from the living Word of God. And as the Lord Jesus spoke the Word of truth, it was going to their hearts and and their hearts were burning. That's the fervent love that we're talking about. So the source of this love comes through knowing the truth, walking in the truth. It comes from God. It doesn't come because we say, we're just going to determine to love each other a lot more. Instead of spending two days a week with each other, or a day and a night together, we're going to spend four days a week, we'll love each other more, and we need to spend more time with God. Then God will 
you know, he'll bless our relationships. It'll be what we, sh we should be, and they don't be what they should be. And so uh, we, we need to set ourselves to obey the Lord, to obey the truth. If we're not loving like we should, set yourself to obey the truth and to walk in the truth. God's going to do it. Amen? The Lord's going to produce that in our, in our hearts and our lives. He that had my commandments and keepeth them, Jesus said, he it is that loveth me. What's he talking about? Obeying the truth. Walking in the truth. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Okay? And so, uh, young men, uh, wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119. By taking heed there, thereof to thy word. By taking heed to the word of God. It's going to purify their souls. They're going to be cleansed. And then that love of the Lord is going to grow. Amen? Obey the truth. And so if you're struggling with it, loving, and I'm struggling with it, obey the truth. That's what God's saying. And uh, somebody might think that's impossible. How can, how can that really happen? It's a work of the Lord. It's just plain and simply the work of the Lord. Now let's look at this. It says you purified your souls, being born again, verse 23, not of incorruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We'll just stop there. There are two agents, basically, for a man's salvation that we see in the Scripture. Yes, we're washed in the blood of Jesus and faith and grace. We know that. But what's actually at work? It's the Word of God and it's the Spirit of God. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Unless a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, he should not see the kingdom of God. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, were born of the Spirit. I cannot be overemphasized enough. If the Holy Spirit is not present in my life and actually doing the work of the new birth, I'm not saved. It's a real work of the Lord. Okay? Two agents, the Holy Spirit, were born of the Spirit and the Word of God. Well, where do you come up with that one? Right there in the Scripture we just read. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God. We're born again by the Word of God. By the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. Yes, it's by grace through faith. Yet there's repentance and there's confession and there's turning to Christ. All that's part of it. Then we respond. But the new birth itself, what's the origin? Where did it really come from? This new life that's in me. It's not the old life that used to be in me. It's a new life. It's a life of Christ in me now. It is by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God that He birthed in our hearts. It's an amazing thing and it's a wonderful thing. Okay? Uh, we're born again, the Bible says in John, you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 1, not of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. It is, the new birth is of the Lord. And we've been twice born, okay? We are born again by that sin, that human nature of Adam and we're originally, and then we're born again by the second Adam, which is Christ. The first Adam is going to perish and pass away. The new one is the new one is Christ from heaven with a new nature. Okay? That's a nature that can love like the Lord wants us to love. He would not call us to do it if we could not do it. And even as a saved man, I can't do it on my own. I do it through the Lord living through me. My attention has to be put on not loving more. My attention needs to be on coming closer to the Lord, walking closer to the Lord. 
And all this fruit is going to be produced in my life, which includes the love of God. Of His own will, I love this verse, begat He us by the word of truth. Y'all study that in James, I'm sure. Of His own will begat He us, listen, by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. And, uh, an apple tree is going to have apples. That's a fruit of that tree. And we are our fruit, the new birth. It is actually Jesus Christ in us. We're born of the word of truth. That was another scripture. Peter says it. James chapter 1 says it. Born again by the word of truth of his own will. He begat us. And so it's going to be his life in us. And the same life that's in Laura, she's born again, is in Ethan, and it's in Reynolds, and it's in Amber. It's Christ. It's not a different Christ. It's the same Christ. It's the same Holy Spirit. And it's going to love the Lord, not yet. He's going to conform us and love through us like that. We need to concern ourselves with obeying the truth. We need to occupy and preoccupy ourselves with the Lord. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. And He'll make us what we need to be. If we put the Lord to the side and say, I'm going to go try to love more, we'll fall flat on our face. We'll be frustrated by the end of the first day. We just can't do it. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And it says that uh, His Word is incorruptible. Our inheritance, we read earlier in this chapter, is incorruptible because Christ is incorruptible. The Lord that lives inside of us is not corruptible. So everything He has is going to be incorruptible. The inheritance we're going to one day in heaven. This is all going to pass away and rot and decay and, and be gone. And these bodies are. We're going to get a new body that's incorruptible. His Word is incorruptible. And it's forever settled in heaven. And so this is part of what uh, the Lord's doing in our lives. All the flesh of, is as grass, right? Verse 24, all flesh. It's just all type of flesh, including human flesh, is as grass. And all the glory of man. So it's being compared the glory of man. It just seems so glorious to men. The glory of man can seem really glorious to men. But you know what it is? It's nothing. Not one of it will pass from this world to the next. Not one bit of it. Not one ounce of it. Not one monument. Not one uh, biography or autobiography about a, a, a famous person that changed the planet. And all this. None of it's going to pass from this life to the next. It's all corruptible. It's all corruptible. <coughs> But the Holy Ghost in us is not. We're born again of an incorruptible seed by the Word of God. And that's going to live and abide forever. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word which by the Gospel is preached unto you. So we understand it's all going to pass away except the Lord, and, and but His Word's not going to pass away at all. Amen? It's incorruptible. And I just want to uh, to close with this thought. And I know we didn't go maybe quite as long tonight, but I just want to finish with this chapter. But the life that's begotten in us is the life of the Lord. That is the, the love. That's where that love's going to come from. To love the brethren with a pure heart fervently with a love unfeigned. And it comes from the Lord Himself. And let's turn and read 1 John 3.18 in closing. Let's back up to 16. 
Hereby we perceive the love of God. Because He had laid down His life for us. That's how we perceive it. That's how we recognize that He really did love me. I just don't know if God loves me. Here's how you know it. Here's how we perceive it and grasp it and, and get it. Is it He laid down His life for you. Okay, well, greater love hath no man than this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's speaking about our Christian brothers and sisters right here. But whoso hath this, has this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so both of those are important. It's, it's easy to say, right? Talk is cheap. How often have we heard that? Politicians and Hollywood movie stars and people that they're just doing it for a publicity stunt, a lot of them. It's just nothing but another way to promote their careers. Maybe they want to move into politics and shift from you know, Hollywood into politics or from sports to politics. And so they do something real publicly and everybody just goes, oh, wow. That's amazing. Now what's amazing is that God so loved He gave His Son and that Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, for people that are not going to say, thank you, God. They'll never say, thank you, Lord. He knows they're not going to say, thank you, Lord. And yet He loved them. Remember that? I'm sure everybody in here, if not, maybe not everybody, but many of you in here have heard that Paris Reedhead sermon about Ten shekels in a shirt. And I think about it often. I've listened to it many times. And uh, that part that just rips your heart out when he talks about going to Africa as a missionary. And uh, he was really, really, really frustrated because he didn't think uh, that it was right that these his fellow human beings in Africa should suffer and go to hell without knowing about a Savior that died for them. And so he went over there and he says he got there and nobody was responding. Nobody was giving their life to the Lord. They didn't give him the time of the day. He's pouring out his heart to him. He's giving him the gospel. And he says he was very frustrated, to say the least, and very frustrated with the Lord. He didn't get it. And he said, Lord, it's a very, uh, almost like a very cruel thing you've done by sending me here. I want to come here and tell these people all about Jesus so they wouldn't have to go to hell. And I get over here to Africa and I find out they know all about heaven and they don't want to go there. They love their sin. They love their sin. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I didn't send you here for them. I sent you here for, for me. And God wants that love to be expressed. He wants it to be um, it's for His glory. It's not so people would pat uh, Paris Reed on the back and say, gosh, thank you so much for coming. There's nothing wrong if they had thanked the missionary for coming. That's not God, why God sent him there. And that's not why he should go there. He should go for the glory of God. That Christ will be glorified. And he, the Lord said, I know that... Uh, I know, I know that they're not believing in me. I know they're rejecting me. But I want them to know that I love them. You know what I mean? That I want them to know that I love them. And um, that's the love that has to come from God through a human being 
And Paris Reed has talked about it, just totally changed his, his life. As a Christian, he was already saved, loved the Lord and serving God, changed his life. And so the Lord wants to love through us. We have to get out of the way. That cannot be the selfishness. It cannot be a fake, feigned love. I'm going to do this so Jordan will do this for me or Chris will do this for me. Even within the church, we can do that. We have to guard against that. If our church is going to be strong, it's going to need to be strong in Christ and obeying the truth. It needs to be strong in love. Real love for each other. Because there will be things that rock our little church and rock our world that, and divisions that could come in between us. Well, the divisions are going to come. How do we handle it? Because it can become and they can go. We can get rid of it by keeping our eyes on the Lord. They're going to come. We haven't had a lot. Praise God. It's been a blessing. But I'm not too naive to think we'll never have one. And when we do have one, how do we handle it? It has to be from the love of the Lord. Because it's not a fake love. And God's the one that's going to produce this. Let's walk in the truth. And God will produce the love. Amen. I want us to pray and just spend a little time praying to you if you come.